KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Have you guys ever thought about how many women have shaped this fine city of Philadelphia? I mean, way back when it was founded, we had Hannah Callowhill Penn, who helped found and run the province alongside William Penn. That's right, Betsy Ross, Grace Kelly. More recently, I'm thinking of people like Jill Scott. We can also throw in women such as Sonia Sanchez and Harriet Tubman has ties to this city. You have Lucretia Mott has ties to this city. There are so many women throughout Philadelphia history and women making incredible strides here today, like Lorraine Carey, who is an author. Her work aims to preserve black stories here in the city of Philadelphia. I'm Sabrina Boyserka. I'm Brian Seltzer. And I'm Jay Scott Smith, and today is International Women's Day, March 8th, 2022. And we are showing love to all the different dynamic women that have made so many of our lives better, including Sabrina here sitting across from us here, oh, thanks, on, here on this podcast. Well, of course. And another incredible woman that we have at this station is Antoinette Lee. She'll be joining us later to talk about Lorene Carey's story. Plus, there will also be other ways you can celebrate Women's History Month because the March of Month, Mar- no, March of Month, no, <laughs> the month of March is Women's History Month. But first, we want to obviously hit on a very big development in this ongoing conflict as we are nearing two weeks now since Russia invaded Ukraine. President Biden earlier today announced a ban on Russian oil imports as a part of the litany of sanctions that have been levied against this country. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in the Congress and I believe in the country. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support their Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. Now, of course, we've seen gas prices just shooting through the roof because of sanctions already. This is, I can imagine, only going to make that worse. But it's a it's a sacrifice that we're making to try to have some effect on what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. And now I understand that that hits some people pretty hard and some can afford the sacrifice better than others. But you know, I, there's there's no easy solution to this. The president said during this speech that defending freedom comes at a cost. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. I said I would level with the American people from the beginning. And when I first spoke to this, I said defending freedom is going to cost. It's going to cost us as well. There's been a lot of talking about freedom over the last couple of years. This is one of those defending freedoms that, yeah, it's going to hurt. Even if you can't afford it, it's still going to hurt. This whole situation is tough on everybody. Oh, absolutely. One line from his address today that stood out to me, Ukraine will never be a victory for Putin. Putin may be able to take a city, but he'll never be able to hold the country. But also saying that the United States needs to do more, along with its allies, to address the aggression from Putin. I also think one thing that's really important here, and I'm no speech analyst, expert speech analyst, but just reading between the lines, there's a whole lot of Putin verbiage in Biden's address from today. And I think keeping that on the forefront of people's mind, calling it Putin's war, Putin's price hike, all of these things, just reminding everyone as if they need to be reminded. But just in case you do, who's the one that's responsible for this? Now, as we mentioned at the start of the show, today is International Women's Day. And here in the city of Philadelphia, there was an International Women's Day celebration out at City Hall. And we heard from speakers, including Arena Mazur, the city's honorary consul of Ukraine. What I want to say that while Ukrainian men and women, too, serving in Ukrainian army, it's actually Ukrainian women volunteers who provide them with complete support 
cooking for them, washing things for them, running Ukrainian community organizations, working on the logistics. So they are taking on their shoulders incredible weight. And I just want to dedicate this day today. I want to dedicate all the flowers in the world to all those women who put this hard burden on their shoulders and who carry that burden with a dignity, with a compassion, and with love to their country. And even once this International Women's Day is over, we still got the rest of the month of March because it is Women's History Month. And Sabrina, I know we got a lot of things happening here in the city regards to this. Absolutely. We've talked before about the Badass Women's History Tour, which I think is maybe my favorite event <laughs> that that's happening. Well, that tied with the Sisterhood Sit-In Trolley Tour. But... For those who may not have heard this episode, the Badass Women's History Tour is basically a tour that gives a feminist view of Philadelphia history. The Sisterhood Sit-In Trolley Tour is a different tour. This one stops at black women-owned businesses throughout the city of Philadelphia. That's going on through the rest of the month as well. There's the Harriet Tubman statue and timelight exhibit at City Hall. Queen Memorial Library has got an art-making event to celebrate Tubman's 200th birthday. That is tomorrow, Wednesday. At four o'clock. I think, Sabrina and Jay, one thing that caught my eye the Women in Motion 150 Years of Women's Artistic Networks exhibit that is at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts. I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I love artistic, you know, art making, looking at art, something a little more uh, interactive and creative is always up my alley. So this one is a, an exhibit that's going to feature work from women artists throughout PAFA's history going way, way back through time. We want to acknowledge women that are also doing great things in our city right now. Now, our friend Sherrod A. Howard recently spoke with Laura Napier, who was inspired by her daughter, Maria, to make a fairy tale movie with a black princess. Our daughter, Maria Claiborne Napier, um, who is black, and myself and Doug all watch a lot of movies and read a lot of books. She's been reading since she was uh, three or four. When she got to be about five, she said, um, you know, mom, why aren't there any princesses who look like me? Where are the brown princesses? We said, okay, where are the brown princesses? They're not around, so we'll have to write. We'll have to write one. We started writing a, 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 a storybook with a brown princess who saves the prince. It was very important what, that the princess was empowered, that she was brown and looked like Maria, and she saved the prince. And I did ask Maria what color should the prince be, and she said he should change colors based on his feelings. That was how Rainbow became Rainbow. And we both decided that his, his happy color had to be brown because brown is a good, positive color. And we did not see that in any of the, in any of the fairy tales, in any of the movies, the bad guy was always brown. The stepmom was always dark and bad. And so we wanted to flip the narrative completely. And that's how this came about. The guy's a mood ring, basically. He changes <laughs> colors depending on the mood. But I like that the positive move, the positive color is brown. Right? Brown is joy. Brown is happiness. I love that. And that is a really good point that the villains are always like darker colored. And sometimes that rolls into darker skin. And that is kind of a problem. <laughs> this story kind of hit an extra personal note for me because Maria is black. Her mom, Laura, is white. And they talked about how uh, Maria calls her her mom's skin pink. She says, your skin's pink, my skin's brown. Because oh, wow. really, if you look at your skin, it's not white. We're not literally black and white. It's yeah. pink and brown. Um, so that was adorable and, you know, kind of 
reminded me of growing up with my white mother and how we related and talked about the different colors and races and uh, black Barbie dolls and and uh, the colorism American and- girl dolls and all of those things that that I had growing up to show that yeah black women black girls are incredible too even if they're not represented elsewhere we're going to find a way to get them to be represented blackness is not a monolith I've said that before and it especially happens with so many young black women black girls where no matter what shade you are across the proverbial spectrum all black women have a different form of excellence and it doesn't make a difference what your shade is and I just think it's adorable she did call her skin pink which is just cute and yes I obviously popped a little bit when she said that brown is a positive color because I'm sitting here as brown as I am it's like of course it is it is (laughs) there's so much to that and so many young black girls are affected by seeing things like this seeing that representation and the name of this movie is the rainbow prince and you can find out more about the Claiborne Napier family by checking out the latest edition of Bridging Philly. The Bridging Philly podcast is up right now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. as a part of Shara's Newsmakers of the Week segment. There's just no shortage of incredible women who've left a lasting mark on the city of Philadelphia. And coming up, we'll talk with another amazing woman, Antoinette Lee, about a West Philly native who's doing everything she can to keep the legacies of prominent black women to the front and center. We'll have that for you next. I'm Sabrina. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. And it is International Women's Day and Women's History Month. One woman in West Philadelphia, Lorraine Carey, is making it a point to bridge the past and present in her writing. So let's get another woman's voice in here. Antoinette Lee, how's it going? Going well. How's it going over there? It's going great. We're celebrating this wonderful day. And you have this story about Lorraine Carey, West Philadelphia. I have heard her name before as the writer of My General Tubman, a play that was performed at the Arden Theater a couple years back. But for those who might not know her name, what's her deal? What is going on with her story? So Miss Carey is a West Philadelphia native. She was raised there as a young girl and still has roots there today. She's actually a a lecturer at UPenn, uh, where she teaches creative writing. Um, She's written a number of novels, one of which The Price of a Child was actually our city's first one book, Philadelphia. If you're familiar with that, it's a big citywide initiative to promote reading and literacy and to have everyone on the same page reading the same book. And as you mentioned, she's also um, most recently a playwright. So my general Tubman is one of her most recent works, which she presented at the African-American Museum just last week. I love for the people I write about to be able to read what I write. So to have at the African-American Museum students from Gerard College, my own students from the University of Pennsylvania, as well as older folks, really did help connect Tubman and her activism to the work of Philadelphia voting youth activists today. Yeah, so she's a writer, uh, a teacher, uh, an activist. She also founded um, Vote That John, which is an organization that really empowers the youth's collective voice and promotes getting them to the polls um, and getting them involved in politics. Her writing often, it seems, has this theme of teaching present people about the past, preserving Black legacies. What would you say kind of inspires her in her creative work? I think that, you know, having a love for history and having a love for writing, 
I think that what's important to her is just to make sure that these stories, these Black stories carry on to the next generation and that they're not forgotten because, you know, a forgotten history is a history that will repeat itself. So I think that that is 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 her goal is to cherish and and have that love for writing and to keep these stories going. Yeah. So things like my general Tubman we talked about that goes into some of the kind of more unknown parts of Harriet Tubman's life. I loved reading your story about how Lorraine learned so much about Harriet Tubman that she had epileptic spells that where she would hear music and. She said she flew over towns and cities while she was having these epileptic spells, which is like, I know it's bad, but it also sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Like if I was going to have epilepsy, that's what I would want those to be like anyway. But yeah, I mean, Harriet Tubman lived until 1913 into her 90s. There's so much more to her life than the Underground Railroad that we all know and learn in school. So I think that's one of my favorite pieces of hers. Is there anything that stood out to you of projects that Lorraine has worked on that shine and stand out for you? I would have to say just in general, I think, you know, preserving history as a writer and as a as a journalist myself, you know, through telling stories, I definitely get that, you know, no matter who's listening, if anyone's listening, you know, sometimes sometimes we wonder if we're talking to ourselves out here, if we're just doing this work, but I get that, you know, doing the work no matter what and just keeping it going. (laughs) Now, Antoinette, before I heard the feature about Miss Carrie, it's first I'd heard of her name and I didn't really know a lot about her, but I'm sure in West Philadelphia, her name is out there everywhere. What do people out in West Philly know and feel about her? And, And I think that also goes back to, you know, there are so many people who just do the work, right? And we don't know their names and, and the and the work that they do. But I, I guess that people would probably say, oh, that's Lorraine down the street, you know? We walk by people every day who have stories and who are doing amazing things. And, you know, I think that her, her work has spanned over 60 or so years. And regardless of who's acknowledged it or who's who's not, she's going to keep doing it, going to keep it going. So, yeah. She got a shout out from Oprah, right? I'm not saying that that should define your career, but that's pretty darn cool. Not everyone gets a shout out from Oprah. Exactly. Um, so she her her book, Lady Sitting, was actually reviewed by um, the O magazine and Oprah. And uh, she said it was radiant. And though just that was that was only one word. But I'll take one word from Oprah, you know. <laughs> That's right. You mentioned Vote That, John. And I thought this was really interesting because here you have a woman whose life's work essentially surrounds storytelling through writing. What connection, Antoinette, did she draw from her craft to trying to empower particularly youth to vote that, John? I think it's sort of a a natural connection to to want to move people, right? When you're telling stories, there has to be sort of a next step, right? And sometimes when you're doing the work, you can't exactly take that next step, but you can empower others to do so. And I, I think that we all have an understanding that the, you know, the future is in the hands of the youth. So that's where our, our tomorrow lies, really. And I think a lot of her focus has been on teaching empathy and history to our young people so that we can have a better tomorrow and hope for the future. We have not adequately told them that this voting business, getting a leg into the political life of the country will allow them to influence the decisions we're making that will influence their lives 20 years from now. 
I think that's what the deal is with both that, John, sort of empowering them to shape the future that they want through voting and through politics. Antoinette, you get to talk to people like this all the time, which is so exciting. You do Philly Rising and these features every week, Bridging Philly. You have a lot of conversations like this. I think that what's great about what you do is shining a light on like the person behind all of this work. So what was Lorraine like when you talked to her? What was it like having these conversations? Um, That's a very, very good question. So I found her as sort of like, um, I don't know why I, we immediately connected because she was uh, snappy. Like uh, what's the, what's the <laughs> word I'm looking for? She had a little like sassy spice to her, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's just like, we talked about in the beginning, how, when you're used to writing, you're not always used to speaking and having to interact with people. And that's part of what you're empowered to write more is because sometimes you want to empower live in that introverted zone, right? So I get that. But I think the work that she's doing, it shows the type of person that she is, right? She's leaving the mark of of tangible stories and history that matters. Um, And these are essential things that might be lost on the next generation if it weren't for storytellers uh, like Ms. Carey who, who keep them going. We know, obviously, that Philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods, and despite some of the tragic things that are happening within the city, there are still really strong communities. Did you get a sense, Antoinette, how growing up specifically in West Philly defined who Lorraine's become, how that affected and influenced her DNA, her makeup? What attachment does she feel to West Philadelphia? Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Brian, because she talked about how, you know, when she was growing up in West Philly, her parents worked really hard to buy them a house there. And once they, Black families started moving in, white families started moving out. And it was sort of like, you know, once you reach this pinnacle of success, it's like you have to dilute your Blackness, and she talks about this often, how trying to reach another level of success is is kind of hard to hold on to your African-American roots. And I think that's why she also tells the stories that she does. So I think that West Philly has has shaped her a lot. And that's part of why she tells these Black stories and and the way that she tells these Black stories and how she tells them um, is a love for where she's from and, um, you know, the challenges of of coming up during the time that she did where she did. Antoinette, what's next for for Lorraine? What other projects has she got on deck here? So she's working on another play and she's also very much into opera writing. So she hasn't had a, a one of those debut yet, but I know that she's working on another play and an, and an opera. Well, you know, I love theater. So whenever those come out and musical theater, especially whenever those come out, let us know. Maybe we'll get her in here. Y'all couldn't see the smile that popped up as soon as as soon as Antoinette said (laughs) opera. It's it's like immediately Sabrina lights up as soon as she hears anything dealing with musical theater. It's really cool. It's a really hard world to to break into. So I I respect, uh, you know, the, the grit trying to get into it. Antoinette. Always good to talk to you. And, you know, we shout out Bridging Philly like all the time on this on this podcast. But I just got to give it another shout out because you want to talk about influential, wonderful women. That is a powerhouse group right there behind that show. So check out Bridging Philly on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
we also can't forget Philly Rising, which you can hear on Philadelphia's afternoon news on Friday afternoon during the 3.30 half hour. Plus, you can also hear it on Sunday morning. And Antoinette's currently working on this week's edition of Philly Rising, which, of course, you can check out whether it's on KYW News Radio, on the Odyssey app, or on KYWNewsRadio.com. Antoinette, thank you so much for joining us for this International Women's Day edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we thank you for checking out today's episode of the podcast. We'll be back at you again with the Wednesday edition of the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.